Welcome to the Natural Wisdom Podcast. I'm Christine Backus, and I am so honored today to have Dr. Galara Vincent with me. Thank you for being here, Galara. Thank you for having me, Christine. And today we're, well, we have a wide ranging um, series of topics that we'll go through. Uh, but let me just first remind, start by reminding everybody why we're here, what the podcast is about. Uh, I talk about reclaiming our natural wisdom, which means really remembering who we are, uh, that we are both spiritual and natural, both uh, embodied and divine. And that we're here remembering that we're part of the earth community and we're a, a, an integral and necessary part of that earth community if we're here right now. And so that's one of the purposes behind the podcast. And I know that that's something that we'll be covering in our way today in the conversation. Um, I want to, before I give uh, Golara a sort of a proper introduction, I also want to just, actually, I want to start with a grounding just a little grounding practice. And you, if you've been listening for a while, you know I do this occasionally. So if you're driving, obviously don't close your eyes. You know, depending on where you are, you'll just have to adjust uh, how you do this. If you can close your eyes or take your gaze down, you can do that. Um, but just for a moment, let's all just feel the sensations in our bodies. This is the quickest and easiest ways to come back to right here, right now remember who we are is by getting back in touch with and really deeply connected with our bodies. So just, just start to notice the physical sensations, whatever they are without judgment. And maybe see if you can hold in your awareness, your entire physical existence. And maybe you feel your existence beyond the body and maybe not, doesn't matter. And then for just a moment, bring your attention more specifically to where your seat or your feet or both are connecting with the earth. Doesn't matter if you're in a high rise or in an airplane, anything that's holding you is the earth itself. And you might even get a sense of gravity giving you that nice gentle hug. And allow yourself to feel that weight and that heaviness and that physicality. And then for just a moment, bring your attention into your breath. Take a couple of nice mindful breaths. They don't have to be particularly deep. They don't have to be done a certain way. Just notice the next couple of breaths. And then we'll start. And let me just start with, a, like I say, a very brief introduction of Galara. And then I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about her about herself. Um, so I met Gular through the Compassion Key program, and she's somebody I've had a couple of sessions with, and they've been brilliant and incredibly helpful. And I'm so honored, Gular, that you wanted to be here with me today and really excited about our conversation. Um, so Gular is a published author, um, in fact, a best-selling author of a book entitled Hammer, Sickle, and Broom, I've read just the first couple of pages and I could tell it's quite intense and um, hope to get around to reading it someday. And you can, uh, maybe in a minute, you could tell us a little bit about that and what prompted it. Um, Golara lives in rural Dartmoor National Park in England, right, in the UK. 
And she is a healer, coach, and teacher. That's how I'm naming you. That may not be the way you name yourself. And originally from Azerbaijan. I said that anywhere close. Did I get it right? Okay, good. Yes. And what I know, one of the things I know about you too, Galora, is that you speak some incredible number of languages. And I just want to put that out here because that's an amazing skill to me. I think that's amazing. I only speak yeah it's an incredible resource and it gives you the opportunity well there's a lot to be said about that kind of gift with language i know little bits and pieces of several but astrology is the only second language i've ever mastered <laughs> um so with that i guess um, i'm going to just mention that we're meeting on the eve essentially of the full moon in gemini so that may be why well, I use that as an excuse all the time for why my thoughts go different directions at once, but that may be why our conversation may even go in several different directions at once. Um, but let me just dive in with you and let you add anything that you want to add to your introduction. What else do you want us to know? What else do you want people to know about you? What did I miss that's important? Well, given that the focus of your podcast is about who we really are, I find that question so difficult to answer <laughs> because there are so many aspects and um, and I find that our roles, for example, I'm a mother of two children. Um, I used to uh, teach at university. Um, I used to be a law lecturer for a long time. Um, what else? Like, so many aspects of us are just aspects right how can you convey who you truly are <laughs> through talking about facts or aspects of yourself and roles you play and balls you juggle so i don't have a very clear answer to that question but perhaps as we explore yeah the picture might emerge on its own yeah, let me ask you something a little bit more specific, and that is what, tell us, just maybe give a, a picture. I know that this could be a very long answer too, but just like what your top healing modalities are, and maybe as part of that, like what got you into being a healer? Because as you pointed out, I mean, a law lecturer and an <laughs> author, I mean, there's so many parts and pieces, but I know you as a healer, and I don't know if that's your primary professional role now, but it's um it's so relevant right for so many reasons and you work on some very cool things so maybe just a couple of things about the healing modalities you use and what got you there well my own trauma i started my own healing journey and uh i spent about four years in gestalt therapy i did it like a full-time job as in mm. i had a therapist and i saw her twice a week and i learned to talk about my problems which was helpful, but didn't necessarily move the needle the way I wanted it. And so I found other modalities which created such an enormous shift in my life that I went on and trained in those techniques and started offering healing myself because I felt so passionate about the transformation that I have experienced that I wanted to all the space for other people as well. 
So the modalities that I'm trained in are um, numerous. Obviously, Compassion Key is one of the main ones that I use, especially with the groups. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also use something called non-personal awareness, which is an amazing tool, so simple, so deceptively simple, and yet so incredibly powerful. Um, I use something called spiritual acceleration, where you can undo some contracts, agreements at a soul level. And it's really helpful to work with entities or dark energies or things that have been implanted um, in our subconscious mind, for example. So it, it's, it's really helpful in certain situations. Can you say that I, one, one more time? Sp spiritual sp acceleration. Okay. Spiritual Acceleration by Bonnie Serator. Okay. And then I also, I'm so passionate about constellations. That's been one of the, the most important tools in my own, on my own, in my own healing journey. I started doing them in 2009 and I've done them religiously for years and years. Um, so I'm trained and I when I run retreats, I often use constellations primarily simply because they create an incredible magical transformation in the room. Um, I, I am a Reiki master, so I've trained in Reiki. And again, it's been one of the constants of my life. I've been trained in the journey method by Brandon Bays. So uh, as you can imagine, quite a toolbox. Yeah, but it's been predominantly driven by my own desire to heal. And the more I discovered about the tool, the deeper I went into it and it emerged naturally. I did not set out necessarily to be a healer, but there is a calling in me that steered me in that direction. Yeah, that's it, it feels to me um, and I've noticed this over the last probably 10 years and I may be it have ha may have been happening for longer but it feels to me like there's a real calling for a lot of healer uh, a lot of people a lot of healers to emerge right now and I it feels like we're at a time and I see this astrologically but you I'm curious what your take is too it feels like we're at a time where as a maybe as a world um, we're able to really heal some of the serious traumas that and I know you actually I'm interrupt uh, interrupting myself but I know you specialize in intergenerational trauma among other things but I wonder if you can speak to this sort of emergence of healers and if you're also seeing that we're at a time where it's a important and b there's just so much energy behind healing right now and healing old traumas what's your sense my of sense my sense is that the world needs to wake up. And we had a number of wake-up calls, whether it was COVID or um, war in Ukraine or whatever circum external circumstances that are happening, there is a real urgency for people to wake up. And to wake up, we need to grow up. It's different mm -hmm. from waking up. And part of Growing up is tending to wounded parts of ourselves that have been neglected, rejected, suppressed, oppressed. And 
what I've discovered in my own on my own healing journey is that healing my wounded aspect was really helpful, but wasn't quite enough. Like I really needed to heal the intergenerational aspects of my history and legacy because I carried so much of my mother's trauma, so much of my grandmother's trauma, um, that it was not separate from my own story. Right, right. And that's where I see the biggest shifts when I started really digging into those intergenerational um, layers of trauma that we carry. Scientists say that we carry up to seven generations of data in our DNA, right? It's all in our bodies, in our cells. We live with those stories, whether we are consciously aware of them or not. Well, and that's a, that's a Native American, um, I don't know if belief's the right word, but I know that I've, that's one of the things I've heard for years that Native American people make decisions for seven generations. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it, it's, it's like remembering that there's more than just this. And it's not only is there more than just this moment, but all moments are contained in this moment. I would kind of what you're saying that all of this is contained in me right now. And I talk about us being holographic as humans. Mm -hmm. And I know you talk about that too. And uh, yeah. And we project backwards. Yes. But also we project forwards. Right. So um, I think for me, the biggest motivation to heal, I was already on a healing journey and then my children arrived. And that quadrupled because I did not want to pass on what I took from my ancestors. Yeah, and it makes me think too. Um, I mean, I feel the same sense of urgency around healing, um, maybe from a slightly different perspective, because for me, it's about embodiment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things I've said many times on the podcast is that our disconnection from our bodies mirrors and reflects the disconnection from the earth and that's what we're witnessing on in the physical environment and in the ways that we try to control and dominate the environment and i think my guess is again that that's very familiar to you as well and and i wonder actually if you could talk about that for a moment like what you see um in your healing work in terms of people's relationships with their physical selves and their physical environment if that's something that is like a way that you think about it. I certainly think about that. I don't think many people see the connection, not necessarily everyone sees the connection between, for example, their physical ailments and uh, the circumstances of their lives. I was on a group call today and I was talking about how children have uh, sometimes developed earache if there is a lot of shouting or arguing going on in the family. And one of the participants said, I never thought about it. And why would we think about it, right? But there is there's a correlation between what happens in our bodies and what's happening in our environment. Direct correlation, I would say. So oftentimes, if my throat hurts or something happens with my physical body, the first question I ask, what is it that I'm not saying? What is it that I wasn't able to express? Uh, for me, it became... A way of living living it's not it's not a theoretical there's no separation between what's happening 
in my external environment or in my body and my emotions or my thoughts. Yeah, go ahead. Were you going to follow up with that? Was there more? Go for it. Maybe you say something first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, um, well, it made me think about the whole thing about how, how much we... Um, brainwashed is a strong word but it's not a wrong word to say about how we've been taught about how things are separate right we're taught that we're like i'm separate from you i'm separate from the trees outside my window um, but the the fact of the matter is that we we aren't separate i mean we're we're not actually even physically separate because between even between you and me you know however many th thousands of miles we are apart there's a lot of things that connect us. And then of course, just at an energetic level, uh, which we're starting to learn more and more about, we're learning about that energetic connection. And so it, um, yeah, I think it, it just reminds me that again, when you think about how we're all part of the same energetic field, and again, time is just, it's a construct, right? Time is a construct. So, yeah. So one of the things that that brought up, a question that that brought up for me is in terms of the inter intergenerational trauma, how have you seen that manifest as in physical health, for instance? Because that's something I'm curious about and I've seen a little bit of it in my own life, but I'd love to hear what you see. And have Well, I, I remember I was in my... 30s or 40s, uh, early 40s, where I, I used to have a chronic back pain all the time. It just was there. Uh, and and it, it was through doing intergenerational trauma healing, I realized my grandmother was in pain all the time. I grew up seeing people in pain. It was normal. I didn't even question why was I in pain, <laughs> right? So sometimes we absorb those messages that this is normal. This is what's happening. We kind of normalize certain aspects of health or relationship with the body or self-care that we have seen in our family life. We imprint, like as children, we just sponge away anything that we see. We don't do as we are told. We do <laughs> as we see things unfold around us. And so some of those patterns are deeply unconscious. We're not even aware we're doing them. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that some of that um, legacy can be passed on very unconsciously without us realizing it. I'd say what I see a lot in terms of intergenerational trauma healing, I find that I am I'm like a spiritual midwife these days. I birth a lot of people <laughs> because what I do is often go right back to the womb and start there. So people would come with a particular symptom and I would often find that the cause was at the point of conception, time in the during the pregnancy, the way they were born, but also what was the relationship of the mother with the outside world? Was she supported by her mother? What did she, was she not loved by her mother and therefore she couldn't love her own child? And just been passed on from one generation to another so there are so many ways in which that can show itself 
But in terms of us not being separate, I think constellations work is one of the best ways to demonstrate just how not separate we are. Because the idea is that people, you assign people, you ask people to represent certain energies for you. It could be people, but it could be parts of you. And the amount of information that comes through, not at a conscious level, obviously we don't know people's stories, but all that information we feel through the body and the accuracy of the information that comes through. It, if you've been in a room with constellation process, you know we are one. You know that we know everything about each other at a deeply unconscious level. We may not know the facts, but we know each other and it's in the field. We hide our truth, we hide who we are, but it's so apparent in the field because we feel each other all the time. And so, yes, you can impact the field by bringing it down in some ways, but you can also lift it by tending to yourself, to your own body, to whatever you were experiencing in your body. This body is an incredible conductor or the source of experiencing this world like this is how we experience this world the, the more we disconnect from this body the more we're disconnected from this world yeah i love that i i love that and i i think i talked about it in one of the episodes recently too i mean we are the most incredibly sensitive and refined um instrument right uh, sensing instrument for lack of a better word. I mean, we, and, and we, you know, we're familiar with our five senses, seeing, hearing, feeling, um, and that's, but we forget that we have so much refinement available to us when we pay attention. And I love what you just said about the constellation. I wonder, could you tell us a, like, is there a way to tell a story or an example of either in your own experience or in some of the constellation work you've led to illustrate that because i've heard a couple of stories and they've been amazing so one of my constellation processes from early days back 2009 um i have never met my dad because my parents were separated when i was two and a half weeks old and when you separate in azerbaijan that's it so i was with my mom's side of the family and um there was no contact, but there was this unhealed wound in me that I just couldn't, it just wouldn't close. This was an open wound that would bleed away. And so I had a constellation and what appeared in the constellation, my grandmother's story that I was brought up on was very different. She claimed that my dad stood over my crib and cursed me because I was a girl that he didn't want to do anything with me. And then in the constellation was a very different picture where my grandmother was pushing my dad away. And it was interesting that the people I chose to represent, they practically, she practically looked like my grandmother. She acted like her, like she elbowed everybody away. And I was hers because um, she lost a, a beloved son a few years before I was born. And she needed something to bring her back to life. And so two years after that process, 
I traveled back to my hometown and I desperately wanted to find my dad's grave because again, that closure wasn't fully there. And I found, um, I, my grandmother promised to find the grave, but she couldn't. Um, I was walking back to get my ticket to return to England. And I suddenly remembered in the city center, something that my mom told me when I was seven years old, that my um, father's sister lived in the city center and her name was Tahira, something I have completely blanked out and haven't thought about for decades. And so I, on an impulse, I went knocking on the doors. And eventually, some 40 minutes later, I found the right door and this woman came out. Um, and just took one look at me and said, you look so familiar, but I can't place you. I said, well, I'm his daughter and all, all I want is his photo. And I didn't even have his photo and to see his grave. Um, she hugged me and she cried and she said she's been waiting for a day. She took me through and it turned out I came on her 58th birthday. Oh, wow. It was a big celebration. There were like 40 of my relatives and so much love, so much love flowed my way. And um, the, her version of the story was the one I witnessed in the constellation where my father actually wanted to get back together with my mom. Um, and so mm. it was it was really fascinating. And that's actually what prompted me to write my story because I came back and was such a transformative experience. I wanted to commit every moment of that experience. And then I started writing more and trying to make sense of the stories I was told and the stories that I've learned as I grew up. That was a very long answer. <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful story. No, that's exactly what I was looking for. That's a beautiful story. Um, I wonder, one of the questions I have is what were the biggest transformations you saw in your external life after that huge internal breakthrough? So after that, I got married and I was able to have a child. And so up until that moment, it felt like I just couldn't fully open up to love. I couldn't trust that people wouldn't abandon me. Um, I was still looking for a father figure in men. Um, I'm not sure that was entirely healed by the time I met my husband. <laughs> <laughs> but there were, there were many shifts at the start of that journey. And then after I did a lot of compassion key work and personal awareness, there were further shifts um, to the point that I quit my university lectureship, took the leap of faith, into my healing work, mm. uh, which has been incredibly rewarding. And I haven't looked back once, I must admit. Uh, I moved from a big city that's in central England to a beautiful countryside. It's absolutely stunning place. I separated from my husband. We have two homes which are very close and we're co-parenting our children. And they're very happy in this environment. Um, I met the love of my life and I'm the happiest I've ever been. And that sense of contentment and peace and confidence in life has been, has been very satisfying. Mm. 
Yeah, and probably quite a gift given, I mean, I, I, I'm going to, well, I mean, did you ever expect that you would feel this way? Yeah. I think I have spent um, good four decades plus <laughs> feeling very broken. It felt like I had to be fixed and all the healing that I was doing, it was like, Fix Project Dulara. <laughs> There's something wrong here. And there's so much pain. And I don't know how to get rid of it. And through doing the healing and knowing, not just intellectually, but knowing in every cell of my body that I'm whole. There's nothing to fix here. Right. There might be triggers and there might be things to tend to but it's just a part of me that's hurting and needs some attention. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with me as a person. So that sense of enoughness has been very new. Yeah, and I get the sense, I mean, I don't know how you think about this, but in the work that I do, you know, the healing work that I do and the work that I've done on myself, um, it just feels like a, a real process of uncovering or even discovering, you know, discovering and uncovering, like removing what's not me to something that's always been there, right? And that's when I say reclaim your natural wisdom, that's what I mean is it's there, it's here. I mean, it can't not be here, but we, it's not how we think. And so I'm guessing that that's your experience as well. Both that is absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely my experience of I, I call it the process of subtraction, not addition. <laughs> that that this is already enough. I'm not a different person. I'm the same person I was. Um, I gave an analogy. I, I, I wrote a blog post about it the other day where I said, you are the sunshine. Right? You're you like the sun. And then there are clouds of shame and embarrassment and guilt and uh, hurt and, you know, whatever we've experienced in life and they obscure our light and the more you let go of those experiences the more you can shine you don't have to add more shine to the sun it's already bright enough yeah that, that our true self can shine through yeah and that's our job right i mean really um I, one of the things that that i've been sharing and that's really been new of sort of a new discovery to me and it's all based on in in astrology language, it's my understanding of Saturn, the planet, but, you know, we talk, we talk a lot about our life purpose and, you know, what's the, what's our calling and this and that and the other. And in the end, it's really just to be who we are and to, and to shine that, you know, our particular flavor of sunshine in your words. You know, I think that's really what we're all about. And it's, um, it sort of takes away all the all the stories about how I need to go find my purpose or I need to go find something because it's not, it's already here. All we have to do is just follow who we are and what, what comes from inside. It's all an inside job, in other words. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. I wonder, um, there's so many things I wanna ask you about. Um, I can't, so I can't not ask you about money. I have to ask you about money. Partly because yes, 
partly because you said in your Facebook post and you said it again as we connected this morning that you love to talk about money um, and you love to help people heal about money. And I know that, uh, you know, that's something that's really been big for me and working with you and uh, Belinda and others and the compassion key work, et cetera. Uh, just talk about money for a moment because it seems to be like the perfect focal point for so much of what we're talking about intergenerational trauma and yeah anyway I'll let you talk <laughs> to me money has been such an amazing doorway into healing so many of my stories because to me money money blocks are never about money or hardly ever about money they are about our sense of self-worth am I enough am I good enough to receive this much it's about receiving support. It's about allowing things in, um, deserving. It's about our ancestral stories of poverty and famine. How can I receive um, money and good things in life if they suffered so much? There's like there's some sense of loyalty we carry to the system. If we may not like the system, so to speak, the family system but there is some really deep unconscious loyalty to that system. I do a lot of work with mothers and daughters and especially in the context of constellations, it is astounding to see how many women live their mother's stories. The circumstances might look very different, but the energetic imprinting is very similar. And so if your mother didn't feel worthy of good things and money, they're likely to imprint some of those stories. And they start really, really young. So, for example, I'm running a course soon about these imprints around love and money. And if, for example, in the womb, you couldn't receive nourishment because there was too much stress and toxicity in the womb, it does impact your ability to receive good things in life. It could be as simple as that. Or, for example, if you were rejected, the first experience of you coming into the world was your mother going, oh, no, I'm not ready. That sense of being rejected is going to be projected into the world that people don't want what you've got. People won't say yes to your offering. People won't say yes to you. Right? So we kind of project those stories out into the world. So I can talk about money a lot because... It it contains the microcosm of all your life and all your stories. And I find it incredibly fascinating. Yeah, and I think it probably you could say that about relationships and health as well, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Especially love and money, the energetic center, I would say, is very similar. It's base chakra. So if there's a blocks around safety, stability, feeling held, feeling supported, it's likely to be translated into love and money. And then the same energy of, am I lovable enough? Am I, do I deserve to receive the support, the love, the holding from others? Um, in terms of health, I'd say there are similarities, but oftentimes there can be an added component of whatever emotional challenge you're experiencing it can land in certain parts of the body 
And also there could be some precondition, some weakness in certain parts of the body that would facilitate the development of certain ailment in that part of the body. So it's not as straightforward, a bit more complexity with health. Right, right. Yeah, I um, my experience is that it has a lot to do, health especially has a lot to do with how seated we are in our bodies. If we're not mm -hmm. fully occupying the body, then there's more space for illness and disease and injury, even injury. But yeah. Yes, and I would add to that that often when we have some shock or trauma where something happened and you jumped out of your skin, yeah. right? so something startled you out of your own body, then there is space there. And right. that's a perfect opportunity for some negative energies to jump in. You jump out, they jump in. Right? And then they kind of, they are attracted to a particular vibration. So you have shame, a lot of shame in you for that experience when you jumped out of your skin. Then the entities that resonate with that energy are likely to come in. And they magnify and amplify that sense of shame. So suddenly... There is less space for you in your own body, energetically, and there is the amplification of some of the difficult things that you are feeling. So that's where uh, spiritual acceleration can be really helpful to move some of those energies, some of those entities. So that, and it's not a scary thing. It's just energy, right? It's like uh, we don't see the radio waves, but they're all around us. And at the same with the energy. So they are kind of fine tuning and finding the particular resonance that draws them in. Yeah, I, I did love um, in one of the sessions I did with you at the very end, you did a little bit of work on vows and curses, which mm -hmm. have been and that has been up for me lately um, because of this Mars retrograde and the way it's showing up in my chart for the astro geeks out there. Um, but I found it really powerful because it's, um, we forget how powerful language is and sort of circling back to the very beginning and how many languages you speak, um, we forget how words have impact and vows and curses, even if we don't remember them or we're not consciously aware of them, they live somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One particular. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. One particular one I find time and again is when we experience something really intense and we're like, oh, I wish I were dead. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Gets locked in somewhere in the back of your mind. And then you're trying your hardest. You're doing so much work. You're pushing forward and nothing works. But because there is some sort of like a computer virus in the back of your mind, which is says like, why bother? What's the point? I don't want to be here mm. anyway. Yeah. So it can be in that heightened emotional state, something like that, where we don't even intend to curse ourselves or make a vow, but it can really lock in. Again, not particular, don't try to scare anyone. Very easy to undo, but need to be conscious around the language, but also that sometimes we might have caused some damage without realizing it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, really isn't all of this about uh, just a process of bringing things to consciousness, at, at least in large part. And yes, you might need to take actions after that, but the first thing, I mean, even in 
all the spiritual work I, I did for so long. It's the very first step is becoming aware. And as you say, waking up. Mm -hmm. yeah. We can't let go of something we don't know we have. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I want to go back to for a minute too to something else you said, because it feels very relevant, partly to the work I'm doing right now, both in myself and then the work in the world. And that's the Saturn work. You said that you really think we need to both wake up and grow up. And I love that because, um, well, let me put it, let me put it in my words. There's so much emphasis on awakening and coming to consciousness now, which is great, right? And that, as we we're just saying, it's, it's critical. We have to start paying attention and seeing what's happening in the world and in ourselves and how they're connected. Um, but this whole thing about growing up I think to me, it's, um, I'll be curious what you think of this, because in the Saturn work, it has to do with all the words that we tend to give such a negative connotation to, like commitment and responsibility and maturity um, and even age and wisdom are parts of that. Um, but I think it's also very connected to like acknowledging our physical existence. I mean, to me, it's connected to embodiment and what I call 3D reality, right? I mean, that all of this stuff that we've been talking about with energy, it has an expression in form and growing up is part of the way of making that happen. I, I'm curious how that lands with you and what you think and how, what you would add or subtract. I agree. Yeah, I agree, absolutely. And I feel that you can wake up, but without the aspect of growing up, it doesn't really land. Like it's very hard to embody. Somebody can have a really big awakening experience, but how do you anchor it into your day-to-day -day life? And live it. And live it. Whereas growing up can cause awakening, <laughs> but it's kind of an essential part. It doesn't, it does, it's not guaranteed that you will wake up when you grow up through releasing whatever but it's more likely you are becoming more accident prone to wake up through healing the parts that need growing up because they're frozen at different stages of development. There are parts of you that you just disowned because they were not acceptable to other people. Mm. So it's like you've got a whole orphanage behind you. <laughs> There's all these parts that didn't get the daylight or haven't been spoken to or recognized or acknowledged and the more we can acknowledge them the more we can become who we are and the more more of you that is here available to the process of waking up tell me a little okay here's another one where i'd love to have like a, a story again either from your own life or like something common you see with clients Mm -hmm. where there's a need to grow up in your words and and that mm -hmm. that's how what we do with the healing work i'm curious well the the processes around um being in the womb you know here we are somebody who is um an adult and yet acting out a story that they might have it, they may not be even yours. So I was working with this woman recently. This would be a great example. And she came because she spends money even before she earned it. 
So it just comes in, goes up, comes in, goes up. And so she wanted to stop the pattern. And when we were working with her, we went right back to the womb, surprise, surprise. And what happened at that time, when her mother was pregnant with her, her father was the only employed member of the family. Of He had six other siblings. And wow. so as soon as the money was coming in, he was spending it on his siblings because as the older son, he felt the responsibility and duty towards his family. And her mother felt really resentful, something that this woman was experiencing because she was spending the money on her family and not getting the recognition and feeling increasingly frustrated and resentful. So here, here's an example of how you can absorb. She's acting like her father, but she's also holding her mother's resentment in a perfect package of her day-to-day -day life that wasn't even hers. And when you say grow up, it's, it's like um, acknowledging that part of her that sort of got stuck, right? Yes, exactly. uh, I mean, even a pre, almost like a pre-infant stage or an infant. Yeah. 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 So when we can help those parts heal, we grow up. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Okay. I love that. I wanted, um, before we kind of jump to announcements and talking about the courses, it's kind of hard to do examples of a lot of the healing work. I mean, it'd be hard to do a constellation example, but I wonder, um, it, it, it still appeals to me to maybe do a non-personal awareness phrase or something just I know I've done we've done this in the past on the show I think Belinda did one um I don't want to do compassion key because honestly I just don't want to cry <laughs> sure I understand <laughs> and I may not but it's it's a it's a more it's not mandatory but it's yeah. likely but we did uh we did a couple before we started but I wonder if there's if I wonder if there's something that speaks to you right now to do a uh, non-personal awareness phrase around I feel like um, we spoke about money a bit and maybe we could do something around fear of money. And this would be very counterintuitive because most people would claim that they love money and they don't fear it. But <laughs> I'd say there's quite a bit of fear around, I guess, all those things you said about responsibility and commitment and discipline that can come with actually making money. So if you feel up for it, we could do a fear frame and go a bit deeper into fear around money. How does that sound? It sounds great. And what immediately came to mind is the fear of who I will be if I had a lot of money. I'd I just wrote a post about that today. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I, it, I, there are many TV shows that I could reference, but, you know, I've been watching Yellowstone the series because I live in Montana and I like to roll my mm -hmm. eyes, but there's, uh, there's so much there and everything else about how much we like the love hate relationship we have with rich people. And I think mm -hmm. that's part of what this is about, right? That fear of who will I be if I have money? Yes. It just fuses with your identity. Yes. It's like I'm the person who lives on shoestring and there is certain pride in managing that and, and, it, it, 
to in order to open to more abundance it's almost part of the difficulty is not so much making the money but letting go of that mindset because even if you get the money you promptly spend it because it doesn't fit in with the identity of a person who struggles with money so if you're up for it we're going to do sentence completion and everybody oh, who's listening they can do it with themselves as well just as they listen so nice breath The scariest thing about love-hate relationship with rich people is? They'll all be like that. They'll all be like that. The scariest thing about love-hate relationship with rich people is that they'll all be like that because that would lead to... Oh, gosh, I can't get the words. Give me just a second. There's something about like uh, uh, destructive spending of money. Thank you. The scariest thing about love-hate relationship with rich people is that they'll all be like that because that would lead to destructive spending of money. And that would mean that I am... Irresponsible. Thank you. First so, word. Excellent. Perfect. So when you're ready, please repeat after me. This irresponsible. This irresponsible. This energy of irresponsible. This energy of irresponsible. This pure energy of irresponsible. This pure energy of irresponsible. Is not personal. Is not personal. This pure energy of irresponsible. This pure energy of irresponsible. Is not personal. Is not personal. This pure energy of irresponsible. This pure energy of irresponsible. Is not personal. Is not personal. And I am willing to experience it. And I am willing to experience it. That gave me a real sense of freedom, actually. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's fun. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you for for doing that and for demonstrating that. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, I could, there's so many things I'd love to ask you about, but I think now I'd love to have us talk about some of the things coming up because you have two offerings. I think you mentioned when we were chatting at the beginning, and I really want you to be able to talk about these because I think people could get a lot out of them. So, so my first opportunity is in a week's time uh, from when we're talking. So it's on 13th of December and it's called Already Enough. As I said, that's my starting point with feeling good enough is that you are already that sunshine. And what we do on that three hour call is to let go of as many clothes as, <laughs> as we can that obscuring your light. So any experiences that made you feel insecure, inadequate, not good enough, that that sense of something's missing, that somehow you can't, like what, however hard you try, you can't make things happen. We're going to let go of all that frustration, anguish, so that you can be more of who you are. Beautiful. And then... And then my second opportunity is coming up in January where 
will be having a five-week course. And right now I have a very special opportunity, special offer on it. Um, so uh, it's the course where we'll be releasing blocks to love and money at the ancestral level. So we'll be looking at uh, ancestral stories around love and money, karmic stories, looking at um, your development from the point of conception. What was it like to be in the womb? Was it a loving experience or was it stressful and toxic and the way you were born? All those circumstances that might have imprinted into your experience around love and money. And then we'll look at the split, energetic split between your mother and father. Perhaps they were pulling in different directions and had very different attitude to money and you've managed to internalize that conflict. And then we'll be aligning your mind, your heart, and your guts in relation to those two themes. And within the, the program, there are other elements that would support this journey where we'll have a 30-day safety mindset because it's not so much about love and money. It's actually about feeling safe in yourself, in your life, trusting, trusting yourself, trusting life that it would provide. doesn't mean that you don't take action. But you don't come from a place of panic and overwhelm that things will go wrong or you won't have what you need. So that's the next couple of opportunities. And I would love to welcome you on board if it calls you. Yeah, that's beautiful. Are they both online? They're both online. Okay, that's great. And uh, so what we'll do is um, I'll get the links from you and I'll put them in the episode description so that people can go click right through and take a look. And I'll put your website in there as well. Thank you so much, Christine. Oh, That's yeah. Really I'm, excited. I'm glad that you've got some things to tell people about because there's. I would highly recommend people check it out. Thank you. Um, I do want to mention just quickly, too, that I've got a couple of um, opportunities coming up. I'm doing another, the third, actually, free workshop on Saturn this Saturday, this coming Saturday. Um, which is the 10th, December 10th. And for those that have been listening, Saturn is so much about embodiment and it's about growing up and it's about kind of owning ourselves and owning our desires. And so, and I have a fairly, what I think is a somewhat novel take on Saturn and trying to reclaim it from the, it's called the greater malefic in astrology and trying to reclaim it and tell a new story about Saturn for a new age. So that's a Saturday. And then on the solstice, I have um, a very special opportunity to essentially go through an initiation uh, around um, an intention for 2023 using mm -hmm. Saturn, sort of calling on Saturn. And so I'll be talking more about that on the podcast, but I'll put a link to some, just a place to sign up for the free call. Yeah. Yeah. So this is great. I love, I appreciate so much all the things that you talked about. It's been a very fun conversation and my guess is we'll want to continue it at some point. Um, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. Did yeah. enjoy this. Thank you, Galara. Thanks so much for being here and thanks everybody for listening. And um, yeah, and I guess we'll, I'll, we'll have another episode in a couple of weeks. And in fact, um, my astrology mentor, Emily Trinkus, and I are going to be doing a look at the year ahead, which should be interesting, uh, the day before the solstice. So, all right. Thank you so much for being here. And um, yeah. Okay. Talk to you all soon. <laughs>